welcome back to another episode of the Dunkel Index Podcast. I'm Ben Dunkel, and joining me once again is a guy who's rediscovering his love of the game. That's my dad, Bob Dunkel. Yeah, it only took me six weeks, and uh, I'm, I'm back at college football. Love it. Uh, it's hard to believe we're nearing the halfway point in the college football season. It's it's flown by, and uh, I guess in the immortal words of Denny Green, um, they are who we thought they were uh, with a lot of these teams, uh, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, all still very much alive uh, in the playoff picture. Those were kind of the big four coming in. Although I have to say Clemson, a near miss there in Chapel Hill last weekend. Boy, that certainly would have upset the uh, college football landscape if the Tar Heels had been able to pull it off. But Clemson survives 21-20. Mac Brown um, went for two late with a minute left, came up short. So Clemson survives. But don't look for this to be a sign of slippage from Dabo. They've had near misses before. In fact, I remember the Syracuse game last year, and uh, it goes on and wins the national championship. So doesn't necessarily bode ill for Clemson going forward, but that was by far last week's uh, highlight. And, and a good call for the Dunkel Index on that one where we had North Carolina plus the point. So looking forward to week six and getting going with 10 more um, to talk about. Yeah, it is kind of a fun what if. I think Clemson probably would still get into the playoffs with one loss. Yeah, I think uh, everything being equal, uh, certainly two-time national champion, defending national champs this year, they probably are one of the few teams that can survive a bump like a loss to North Carolina and still get in. But no doubt, uh, would rather save that bump for later down the road and probably to a little stronger team than the Tar Heels. Uh, so, yep, we'll see. I think Clemson's got got this week off, so Dabo, I'm sure, will be working to fine-tune whatever he needs to fine-tune, and we'll be back for Week 7 with a vengeance. Yeah, so that leads nicely into our first game on our 10 to talk about. Uh, you mentioned Clemson on the bye this week. We've got two teams coming off the bye here. It's Texas at West Virginia. So Texas is 3-1 and one overall, 2-2 two and two against the spread, and they're at number 11 in the index. The Mountaineers are 3-1 and one overall, 2-1 and one against the spread, and number 37 in the index. So the line in this one is Texas by 11. What do you think? Yeah, nice little Big 12 matchup uh, to get going. So, yeah, Texas uh, coming off the bye, as you said, Ben, and uh, before that, uh, 36-30 win over Oklahoma State. Uh, Sam Ellinger, Texas quarterback, continues to look good. He threw for four touchdown passes, but maybe more importantly uh, for uh, Tom Herman's uh, club, they uh, showed up uh, and played strong D against the Cowboys, especially running back Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace, their star receiver, they were pretty much held in check. So we take a closer look at, at Texas's three wins. Uh, the Oklahoma State win certainly stands out as the best of the season. Uh, the other two against Louisiana Tech and Rice gives Texas uh, an average Dunkel index rating of 83.375 as far as uh, the strength of the opposition to date. Of course, their one loss came to LSU, uh, which has moved all the way up to 107.032. So uh, no shame in that loss. 
at all to the Tigers, who are flying high right now. The Mountaineers, uh, probably, a, a, I'd say, a surprise at 3-1 and one, um, after losing their quarterback, Will Greer, and their coach, Dana Holgerson. I think this was thought to be a rebuilding year for West Virginia, but Neil Brown, their new head coach from Troy, has done a nice job holding it together. Uh, they went into last week's bye following a 29-24 win at, at Kansas, an improved Kansas team under Les Miles. Uh, so West Virginia's three wins right now are against Kansas, James Madison, and NC State, and those three average out to an 83.534 uh, rating in the Dunkel Index. So not dissimilar uh, from Texas's strength of schedule thus far. And their lone loss looks very similar as well to the Texas loss to LSU. They lost to Missouri and Kelly Bryant. And Mizzou has, has pushed their rating all the way up to 106.115. So I think we've got a little bit of a mirror image of teams coming in right now. Surprisingly, I think most people didn't expect West Virginia to be really in the same category for Texas. And I think that's why Texas's line has been moving up to 11 in this one. Um, but a couple of key trends we're looking at. Texas is 0-4 against the spread in its last four games following a win. So the Longhorns have not done a very good job kind of maintaining their momentum. And West Virginia is 4-0 in its last uh, four games following a bye. So on this one, with the Longhorns traveling out to Morgantown, uh, we think that 11 points is too high. We've got uh, Texas uh, favored by only eight. So we will take West Virginia plus the eight uh, to keep this one close. Lock down those couches. Plus, let me say plus the 11. Um, our line is eight. So uh, even better. We'll take the 11 points. Yes, lock them down. Watch out out there in old West Virginia. It, it, old West Virginia, they might have some crazy laws, but I'm pretty sure this next team still did something illegal there. Uh, Purdue at Penn State, Penn State coming off that victory over Maryland. That was just disgusting. Uh, they're four and oh now overall, three and one against the spread, number six in the index. Um, and they face Purdue, who's one and three overall, one and three against the spread and sits at 69th in the index. So the line here is Penn State by 27 and a half. What yeah. Do you think? Ouch. And, uh, while we patted ourselves on the back uh, in the opening for our call with North Carolina Clemson, I think uh, equal time would require that we also mention that we did have Maryland plus the points against Penn State. And uh, I think I tuned in maybe uh, seven, eight minutes in, and it was clear that pick was not going to go anywhere. Um, Penn State just rolled 59 zip over Maryland. So it's a little hard to peg Michael Loxley's team right now. They did have that Syracuse win, but that doesn't look nearly as good anymore. Uh, quarterback Sean Clifford for the Nittany Lions, really starting to click. Uh, and that's good news up there in Happy Valley. Um, 398 yards passing, three TDs. He ran for another and just thoroughly dominated uh, the Terps. So if we look at, at Penn State's four wins to date, None truly stand out as that impressive. Um, the Terps, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Idaho give uh, Penn State a, a dunkel average of 78.427 in terms of 
strength of opponents uh, fairly low. Uh, Purdue, on the flip side, um, having a tough time just winning football games right now. Uh, 38-31 loss to the Golden Gophers at home on Saturday. And the defense was porous. Uh, just allowed Tanner Morgan, Minnesota's quarterback, to complete 21 of 22 passes for 396 yards and four TDs. Those are Heisman-type numbers against the Boilermaker defense. So Purdue's three losses this year have come against Minnesota, TCU, and Nevada, uh, and that gives them a dunkel average of 84.758 in terms of strength of schedule. And their lone win came against Vanderbilt, which has a rating of 82.152. So uh, they have played a fairly strong schedule to date, but again, not finding a way to win those football games. A couple key trends coming in here. Boilermakers are 0-4 against the spread in their last four games against a team with a winning record. So it kind of highlights the point that we just made that um, against stronger teams, they are not even coming close to winning. And Penn State is 14-2-1 against the spread in its last 17 after scoring 40 or more points. The last time I did my math, I think 59 tops 40. So that looks to be very much in play this week. Uh, as you said, Ben, the line's 27 and a half. While James Franklin's team has not played a very strong schedule to date, Purdue seems to fit in nicely with his tendency to roll up big points on, um, on struggling teams. So we've got Penn State by 32 on this one. So more than covering the 27 and a half. So we are taking the Nittany Lions minus the 27 and a half. Let's hope it's over as quickly as that Maryland one was. Oh, yes. You know, uh, seems like the tendency always is when you tune in and you have a game like that, you're on the wrong side. It's rare that you get to kick back and watch your team roll to a big win when you've got uh, them covering the spread. So that would be nice this week. I would, I would love to watch that. Yep. All right. Next up is Virginia Tech at the U of Miami. Virginia Tech is 2-2 two and two overall, 0-4 oh against the spread, number 73 in the index. Uh, Miami is 2-2 two and two overall and 2-2 two and two against the spread, number 44 in the index. The line on this one is Miami by 14. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, I think we threw this one in here more for nostalgia's sake than, than current interest. Uh, you know, it's been a while since Virginia Tech in Miami were the powerhouses that they used to be. And this year we've seen, I think, even more slippage, certainly from Virginia Tech. Last week, uh, again, uh, that was a miss for the Dunkel Index. We had the Hokies plus the points at home against Duke. Um, and uh, David Cutcliffe's team just handed it to them, 45 to 10. And it was as one-sided as as that score indicated. So Right now, uh, as you said, 0-4 against the spread. Uh, Virginia Tech's only two wins are against Furman and Old Dominion and couldn't even cover against those. Furman, of course, an FCS team. And, and Old Dominion, having just graduated recently from FCS and moved up to FBS. So it gives them a dunkle average of 69.517 as far as strength of schedule. Very, very low. And yet, yet the hoax... Uh, I just aren't getting it done. Um, they had two losses have come against Duke and Boston College. That's a little more respectable. Those average out to 
90.451, but certainly under Frank Beamer, those were teams that the Hokies would beat with ease. The Hurricanes aren't doing much better under Manny Diaz, new coach. Um, hopefully they were going to turn it around after Mark Rick's kind of uh, disastrous fin finale to, to last season, but hasn't turned out that way. They started out with that loss to the Gators and really haven't turned it on since then. They went into a bye last week coming off of a win over Central Michigan at home, but they were 30-point favorites, and they just squeak out a five-point ugly 17-12 to 12 win over the Chippewas. And uh, the numbers... Uh, as far as the Hurricanes, not impressive at all. Four sacks allowed, 13 penalties committed, one of 10 on third downs, and just 51 yards on the ground. Uh, pretty putrid numbers for the U. Overall, Miami's two wins have come against the Central Michigan and Bethune-Cookman, uh, an FCS team, and, and not a very strong one either. So that gives them an average Opposition rating of 58.293 as far as their wins, extremely low. Uh, so they have no quality wins to date. Two losses, as we mentioned, to Florida out of the gate. And then North Carolina, Mac Brown's team pulled off the upset, I think, in week two there. So respectable because of the Florida Florida game. Um, their losses have come to an average of 99.995 as far as the strength of the opposition. So not horrible there, but again, no quality wins there for the U. So coming into this one, uh, you know, the big thing that stands out is Miami is is one in ten in its last eleven games against the spread in in October games. So this has not been a good month recently for Miami. And we look at that fourteen, and that just looks too high in this one. Even with Virginia Tech struggling as much as it is. Dunkel Index has the margin at Miami by 10. So I don't know, Ben, maybe foolish, but uh, especially after our, our pick last week in the Duke game, but we're sticking with the Hokies on this one plus the 14. Well, I'm right there with you for no other reason than to just stick it to Miami. Well, the U just doesn't look capable of covering right now. Um, so uh, I think on this one... I think the U nope. wins, but pretty hard to cover two touchdowns, even against right. Virginia Tech. Yeah, they probably win the game, but the scoreboard, no way they win by 14. Yeah. Yep. So next up is actually a good game uh, for once. We've got Iowa at Michigan. Iowa's 4-0 overall, 2-2 two two against the spread, and all the way up to number 10 in the index. Michigan now 3-1 overall, just 1-3 against the spread, and they're at number 23 in the index. So the line here is Michigan by three and a half, which sets us up for all kinds of fun disappointment. What do you think? <laughs> well, yes, now we're talking football here. This is a great Big Ten matchup. Should get our Saturday uh, off to a good note here. Yeah, the Hawkeyes under uh, Kirk Ferentz showing some offense. Uh, everybody knows about Iowa's defense, but uh, flexing a little offensive muscle, especially last week with that 48-3. to three win over Middle Tennessee State, uh, where the Hawks totaled 644 yards, the most in Kirk Ferentz's 21 years there uh, in Iowa City. So uh, setting records uh, offensively looks to be a good thing for Iowa coming into this one. Their four wins, 4-0, as, as you mentioned, uh, Middle Tennessee, Rutgers, Miami of Ohio, and Iowa State. 
not exactly uh, the strongest schedule to date, although the Iowa State win does stand out as, as fairly significant. Um, that gives them a, a, a strength of 79.286 in the Dunkel ratings as far as uh, the opposition. The Wolverines uh, got back in their winning ways last week after that horrendous display against Wisconsin the week before. Uh, they rolled to a 52 to nothing win over Rutgers. I think everybody in the Big Ten loves to circle that Rutgers game. If you have any ills, they are the tonic to cure, and they cured what had been a very disappointing Michigan start, especially offensively. But Josh Gaddis's no-huddle spread offense got untracked against the Scarlet Knights, and again, they hung 52 there. So the three wins for the Wolverines to date are Rutgers, Army, and Middle Tennessee. Uh, not that impressive, uh, 76.536 strength there in terms of the average Dunkel ratings. Uh, and their long loss to Wisconsin, uh, which comes in at 103.492. So respectable loss there, although it was very one-sided. The, the Wolverines were never in that game. So looking at this one coming in, um, when these two teams get together, the underdog is usually the play. The dog is 11 and three against the spread in the last 14 games between the two teams. So that would point to Iowa on this one. And Michigan is 0-5 in its last five games following a win. So Harbaugh's team has just been unable to keep any momentum going. As you said, Ben, the line on this one is three and a half, although it's been dropping. I think it opened around five. And uh, we think that makes a lot of sense. Even though Iowa's schedule it's not been that significant. They are winning, and they're winning big. They come in with a lot of confidence, playing well on both sides of the ball. We actually have this one, Iowa, by six and a half. So we are calling for the upset here. Uh, Iowa goes into the big house and comes out a winner, certainly taking the three and a half, but uh, also the straight-up call. All right. So next up on our list is Washington at Stanford. And I think the subtitle of this podcast could be Six Degrees of USC. Uh, Washington <laughs> beat USC last week. They're four and one overall, four and one against the spread now, number 13 in the index. Stanford's two and three overall, one and four against the spread. They're at number 49 in the index. The line here is Washington by 14 and a half. But, uh, yeah, like I said, after they beat USC, what do you think? Well, yeah, maybe the six degrees of USC, but it's probably the 60 degrees of USC's quarterbacks, right? Because it's been a revolving door there as far as uh, who's uh, under center. Last week, it was Matt Fink, the third stringer, who had to come in for Keaton Slovis, who had to come in for JT Daniels. Um Think looked good coming in, but the Huskies found a way to to really shut him down. They picked him off three times, and they've got a, a nice running back as as the Huskies often do. In uh, Salvin Ahmed, he rushed for 153 yards. So the Huskies get a good home win over a Trojans team that has been hard to peg so far. In fact, we missed them on a number of occasions. Just when you feel like you've got them kind of figured out. Um, they'll go and pull an upset, but no upset last week. The Huskies take care of business 28-14. Uh, 
So the Huskies four wins right now, uh, including USC, uh, the other three are BYU, Hawaii, and Eastern Washington and FCS. That gives them a respectable 85.522 uh, opposition average rating. Uh, their lone loss came um, somewhat inexplicably to Cal, uh, whose rating sits at 87.548 right now. So that one kind of stands out, and the Huskies may, in the end, rue that one. Uh, one pointer to Cal. I think it was 20 to 19. They just didn't really show up offensively in that one. The Cardinal, uh, this has certainly not been the usual David Shaw Stanford team. Um, they did get a win last week, but it wasn't easy uh, up there in your neck of the woods, Ben, Oregon State. Uh, they win 31 28, and they've had trouble at quarterback too. KJ, K, blah, blah, KJ Costello has not. Uh, been able to stay healthy last week. They threw Davis Mills in there, and he responded well and threw for over 240 yards and three TDs. But Stanford's two wins this year uh, are Oregon State and Northwestern. That's a beat-up Northwestern team. Um, so their average rating is only 82.719 as far as their opposition. Uh, but they have played a very respectable um, schedule and and their three losses uh, have come to USC, Central Florida, and Oregon. So that gives them a very robust uh, 100.582 as far as the opposition and their losses. So Stanford has not shied away and loaded up on patsies early, but it has cost them. Uh, it's cost them injury-wise, and it's cost them in the record. And frankly, they have not played that well, even against that strength of schedule, as they're only just one and four against the spread. So on this one, going into Palo Alto, uh, Washington is, is a 14 and a half point favorite, as you said, Ben. That's high, especially on the road against Stanford. But Stanford just has not shown an ability to really hang in there, uh, especially against the better teams. Dunkel Index has this margin at 17 and a half. So we think Washington goes in and is able to come out of there with a victory and covering the spread. Okay, sounds good. This next one has all the makings of a blowout. Georgia at Tennessee. Georgia comes in, they're 4-0 and overall, 2-2 two and two against the spread. They're number four in the index. Tennessee just 1-3 and three overall, 1-3 and three against the spread, and they're number 97 in the index. Uh, the line here is Georgia by 24 and a half, um, but I feel like there might be some pent-up aggression here that Georgia wants to let out. What do you think? Yeah, well, actually, these next two games, I mean, are, are both blowout-worthy, um, and the only thing that might hold them back is, is themselves. Um, it's certainly not going to be the opposition. I mean, Tennessee uh, just, you know, they came off that game uh, – three weeks ago now against Chattanooga, finally got themselves a win or started off the year with that Georgia State loss, which was an embarrassment at home. Um, but then they go to Florida, and Florida just manhandles them in the swamp. It was uh, their 14th loss to the Gators in the last 15 games, 34-3. to So Jeremy Pruitt still looks to be searching for answers there in Knoxville. Um, don't think he's going to be able to find them against a very good Georgia team, which I agree. Pent up aggression, I think, coming out of that Notre Dame game, much tougher than uh, most people had it 
uh, pegged at, including the Dunkel Index. Um, Notre Dame gave the Bulldogs all they could handle between the hedges, but Georgia did win 23-17, so that's a, that's a quality win for the Bulldogs, which frankly had not really played a very strong schedule up to that point with their wins coming against Arkansas State, Murray State, and Vanderbilt. Um, so that gave them, uh, Notre Dame bumped up their average opposition rating to 79.817. It was much, actually much lower than that uh, prior to the Notre Dame game. So it's starting to look a little more respectable. Um, you know, Tennessee's losses have come to Florida. Brigham Young, and as we mentioned, that embarrassing Georgia State loss in week one, um, their opposition rating uh, average is 83.988. So not too, too bad. I mean, Florida and BYU, um, no shame in, in those losses. But their lone win comes against Chattanooga, and that's at 55.538, I mean, extremely low. So they've got no quality wins and three fairly lopsided losses. So in this one, Georgia comes in 20 and seven against the spread in their last 27 road games. Tennessee is just four and 14 against the spread in their last 18 home games. So coming into Neyland doesn't, I think, put much fear into Kirby Smart and the dogs. Even 24 and a half points looks to be too low on this one. Dunkel Index has the margin at 33 and a half. So we think uh, Georgia will be looking to put up some style points, especially after that Notre Dame squeaker. Uh, they cover the 24 and a half at Neyland Stadium. The bottom continues to fall out of that rocky bottom. Yes. Rocky top is at rocky bottom and no signs of turning it around. Although they could shock the world this weekend. Don't see it coming, but it certainly would be a shocker if they pulled that one off. One of these weeks, one of those biggies is going to fall. Clemson avoided it last week. One of them is going to fall at some point. If you had to, if you had to bet, who would you say it is? I guess I'd probably say Ohio State right now, just because. I don't know. It's been too easy for them, and still with the new QB and the new coach. I want to see when they face some adversity. The other three have had some continuity there as far as the head coaches. Mm -hmm. They know how to survive near misses. Let's see when Ohio State gets tested, if they can survive that. I think that'd be the one I'd peg right now. All right. So, uh, yeah, next up, you mentioned this is a huge line. It's Oklahoma at Kansas. Oklahoma 4-0 overall. They're 3-1 and against the spread, and they sit at number five in the index. Kansas is two and three overall, one and four against the spread, and they're number seventy-one in the index. The line, the Vegas line here is Oklahoma by thirty-two. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, welcome to the Big Twelve, Les Miles. Uh, you know, if he had been coaching at LSU, he would have found a way to get the crazies in Baton Rouge all fired up on a Saturday night, and they would have. Kept it probably to a nine to six score, but uh, going up against Oklahoma at home in Lawrence, uh, I don't see any way that he's going to be able to contain this Sooners offense. Uh, Sooners that just continue to roll 55-16 last week over Texas Tech. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, Heisman numbers, 
um, continuing to look very good, and he's continuing to get a lot of, of Heisman nods. Uh, 415 yards passing, three TDs, um, three, uh, all three to CD Lamb, who he is quickly bonding with um, as far as a quarterback receiver tandem. Um, overall, Oklahoma's four wins have come against Texas Tech, UCLA, South Dakota, and Houston. Uh, that gives them a Dunkel average rating of 77.181. Not extremely strong. Obviously, that UCLA win, not that impressive. Uh, Houston has is, is kind of come back down, especially with uh, De'Ara King, their quarterback, uh, leaving or redshirting, I should say, for the rest of the year. And, of course, South Dakota is an FCS team. But they are putting up style points of 3-1 and one against the spread, so they are rolling over this weaker opposition. The Jayhawks, two wins, which is uh, usually uh, about a season's worth there in Lawrence. Uh, but they came early, uh, although last week was a little bit of a reality check against TCU. 51-14, to 14, they fall to the Horned Frogs. And uh, they are only able to tally 55 yards on 34 plays heading into the fourth quarter. So that was the 46th straight road loss in conference for the Jayhawks. Um, they've kind of reverted back to who they were uh, as far as being the doormat of, of the Big 12 when it comes to, um, to road games. So the Jayhawks' two wins uh, come against Boston College and Indiana State. That Boston College game, uh, just a fluke a couple weeks ago. Still don't know how that happened. Uh, Indiana State, an FCS team. So they, they've only got a average rating of 73.012 as far as their opposition in their wins. Uh, their losses have come against Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Coastal Carolina. So respectable schedule early on with the exception of the Chanticleers there in Coastal Carolina. Uh, that brings their average down, but still pretty good at 94.234. So the Oklahoma Sooners come in with a 5-0-1 uh, record against the spread in their last six games uh, following a win. The Lincoln Riley's team um, does know how to keep the pedal to the metal. And Kansas is just 5-12 and against their against spread in the last 17 October games. So this one, Vegas line, 32 and dropping in Lawrence. That is a lot of points on the road, no doubt. But with this Oklahoma team, uh, those kind of spreads seem very doable. Uh, the Dunkel margin is 38. So we see uh, Les Miles' rough intro to the Big 12 continuing. Oklahoma goes into Lawrence and rolls and covers the 32. Yep. All right. Well, this next one certainly sets up to be a much more uh, close matchup, at least on paper. Auburn at Florida. Auburn's 5-0 and overall, 5-0 and against the spread, and number eight in the index. UF is 5-0 and overall, just 2-3 and against the spread, but they're right behind Auburn. They're number nine in the index. The line on this one is Auburn by three. What do you think? Yeah, huh? The Gators, an underdog in the swamp. Uh, loving this game. Uh, with Iowa and Michigan, uh, this one is right up there. These are the two that I think uh, look to be the most competitive coming in and uh, certainly the ones that, that I'll be tuning into this weekend. Auburn uh, just has con continued to carry on since that uh, opening week win over Oregon last second. Uh, Bo Nix has 
kind of set himself up as uh, the quarterback there of the future. He uh, improves every week. And uh, last week, usually a tough game against Mississippi State. The Bulldogs always find a way to play the Tigers tough. But not last week, uh, Auburn behind Knicks uh, rolled, to put up 42 points uh, in the first half alone in a 56-23 win. It's the most points the Auburn Tigers have put up in an SEC game since 1990 against Vanderbilt. Um, and Vandy's more understandable. To do, it, get, to do it against Joe Moorhead in the Bulldogs' defense, very impressive. So Auburn 5-0, and 5-0 and against the spread. They have been a real money team to date. Um, and they've beaten good teams, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Uh, Tulane much improved this year. Oregon, as we said in week one, the one um, one uh, kind of outlier there is Kent State. Uh, but that gives them an opposition average rating of 92.637, a very strong schedule that they've been able to beat and, again, cover all five of those games. The Gators uh, have a new quarterback in Kyle Trask, who's uh, replaced Felipe Franks really saved their bacon against Kentucky three, uh, two weeks ago, I should say. And then last week, uh, probably uh, nice timing for Dan Mullen and his team. Uh, FCS team, Towson, uh, gives Trask a little bit more experience, and they took care of Towson 38 to nothing. And Trask ended up setting a school record with 18 straight completions to break a, a name from the past, a blast from the past, Chris Leak. 2005. Um, so Trask now in the Florida record books as far as uh, consecutive completions. But if you take a closer look at the Gators wins, while well, it's 5-0 and going up against 5-0, and the 5-0 and that the Gators have uh, does not match the 5-0 and of Auburn as far as strength. As we mentioned, FCS Towson, but they've got another F. They've played two FCS teams in the first five weeks. Uh, they also beat Tennessee Martin. And then uh, they beat the Volunteers uh, of Tennessee, which might now probably would lose to a number of FCS teams. Uh, Miami, which that win in week one uh, doesn't look nearly as good as it, as it did out of the gate. And then the near miss in Kentucky. So their opposition average is only 78.878, which you compare with Auburn's 92.637, a huge disparity in terms of the strength of schedule of those two teams. So. We don't see it as really a surprise that Auburn's favored in this one at all. In fact, we think three may be too low. Uh, Dunkel has this at six and a half points. So always some trepidation going against the Gators at home in the swamp, but we feel pretty confident in, in Auburn covering the three, coming uh, out of Gainesville with another win and keeping their perfect record intact. Yeah, this Auburn team certainly feels special to me. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Gus Malzahn, uh, I don't know if he knew what he had coming into the season, but he's got to feel very good about what he has now. And they just seem to get stronger every week. So we're looking for that that trend to continue. All right. Next up is Michigan State at Ohio State. Michigan State's 4-1 and one overall. They're 2-3 and three against the spread and sit at number 28 in the index. Ohio State's 5-0 and overall, 4-1 and against the spread, and they're at number three in the index. The line here is Ohio State by 20. Um, seems pretty big, but what do you think? 
Yeah, sure does. Old Sparty. Well, you know, Sparty can score 10 points. They might be able to keep it under there, but that's the big question, uh, you know, with this offense. Although the last two weeks, they've put up over 30. In fact, last week, they bailed out the defense, which rarely happens up there in East Lansing, but they needed all of their 40 points uh, to handle Indiana, uh, ended up winning 40 to 31. So, uh, the offense under Brian Lewerke there at quarterback seems to be picking it up a little, um, but not quite convinced yet. Their, their four wins this year have come against Indiana, Northwestern, Western Michigan, and Tulsa. So that gives them a opposition average rating of 83.691 in their, their four wins. Their one loss, of course, came a few weeks back against Arizona State at home when they managed to score only seven points. That was during the, the woes of the Michigan State offense. Uh, Arizona State comes in with a 90.372 uh, rating. So that loss kind of sticks out, especially at home. Not uh, a really good loss there. Um, no losses, of course, on Ohio State's ledger only wins and big wins. Um, last week against Nebraska, uh, going to Lincoln. Lincoln, they were fired up, Scott Frost. This was going to be the Cornhuskers' breakthrough game, announcing that Frost had brought Nebraska's program back and uh, wah, wah, 48 to 7. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was 38 to nothing at half. Uh, Ohio State scored on the first six possessions. So. Boy, they are just steamrolling. Justin Fields looks extremely comfortable at quarterback. Um, their five wins, none stand out really as as very strong. Uh, besides Nebraska, there's Miami of Ohio, Indiana, Cincinnati. That was that was good. The Bearcats have been respectable this year, uh, and then Old Lane Kiffin down at uh, FAU. So their uh, average dunkle. Rating is 86.390 in terms of their opposition. Um, so a little better than, than Michigan State's. But again, uh, they are putting up style points in a big way, uh, four and one against the spread. So they're rolling up uh, big margins here. And we see that even in this one, uh, 20 for this kind of game, conference game, usually uh, pretty intense. But the way Ohio State's playing right now, uh, the Dunkel Index margin is at 26. So Sparty comes into Columbus uh, and goes out of Columbus on the wrong side of a pretty lopsided score. Buckeyes cover the 20. All right. So our last game is a little bit like David and Goliath. Uh, if you are rooting for Goliath to win, it's Utah State at LSU. Utah State is 3-1. and one. Overall, three and one against the spread, all the way up to number twenty-four in the index. LSU's four and zero overall, three and one against the spread. They sit at number seven in the index. Uh, the Vegas line here is LSU by twenty-seven and a half. But can it go any higher than that? Yeah, we've got some big lines here. You know, it's almost like uh, with some of these games, first one to seventy wins, right? I mean, it's just uh, the way these offenses are clicking, and uh, of course. Everybody's trying to impress the voters uh, by running up big margins. And LSU is is in that category. They're very much alive in the playoff run. Uh, the spread offense, uh, unlike Michigan, uh, has really clicked. 
uh, in Baton Rouge. Joe Burrow uh, is coming off of a school record six touchdown passes. Uh, they put 66 up two weeks ago against Vanderbilt, so they almost got to 70. Uh, and he had threw four of those to uh, Jamar Chase. So uh, Ed Orgeron's team just looks extremely strong right now um, coming home. And then you've got Utah State, which struggled last week against Colorado State. Not, uh, not a strong Rams team this year. So a little surprised there that the Aggies had such a tough time. Uh, and their three wins this year, uh, in addition to Colorado State, they beat San Diego State and, and Stony Brook. So they really um, haven't played a very strong schedule at all. They come in with just an average dumple rating of 74.675 in for their opposition. Um, and their lone loss came against Wake Forest in, in week one. And Wake's been pretty solid. So that's not a horrible loss. In fact, they kept it within three points on that one. Um, LSU has just rolled, as we said. They blew out Vandy. Um, beat Northwestern State FCS team in Georgia Southern. So they got, played a pretty weak schedule. The one that stands out is, of course, that win at Texas a few weeks back. Um, so their strength of schedule is at 77.394. Um, not, uh, not that impressive, uh, just slightly above Utah State. But again, um, they're rolling. They're finding ways to cover uh, pretty big spreads. They're 3-1 and one against the spread coming into this one. So 27 and a half at home doesn't look to be uh, too big, especially since Utah State comes in as just four and 10 against the spread in their last 14 road games against teams with a winning home record. And LSU uh, is, is in love with October games. They are 13 and three in their last 16 against the spread in the month of October. So Dunkle margin, 32 and a half points, uh, more than covers the 27 and a half that Vegas has set. So we're taking the Tigers minus the points. All right. So that brings us to the end of our 10 to talk about for this week in college football. And I'd just like to remind everybody to follow us on social media at Dunkle Index and check out the website for the full written articles uh, for both NFL and NCAA football. And I'm sure we'll have more stuff coming later this year. Is there anything else you'd like to say right now? Uh, you know, thanks to everybody. Yeah, get all uh, our picks uh, for this week's FCS and FBS uh, games at dunkleindex.com. And we've got uh, the Major League Baseball playoffs going. Uh, good win for the Nats last night in the wild card. As we speak, we've got Tampa Bay and Oakland going right now in the AL wild card. So want to follow us up through the World Series in that one. And, uh, oh, we've got NHL started tonight. The Blues and Caps are underway, uh, defending two t uh, the last two Stanley Cup champions going head-to-head -to -head tonight. So uh, come to dunkleindex.com for all your sports picks. Of course, free as always. And, yeah, thanks so much for, for tuning into the podcast. And continue to follow us on, on social media. And we look forward to continuing to bring you all these picks going forward. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you. All right. Hey, thanks, Ben. Talk to you next week.